everybody. Thank you so much for joining us at RG Podcast. This is Isaiah Diesel, joined with two very special guests. Uh, actually, very special guests, Jason, who is actually my former college classmate. So thank you so much for joining us. Where are you calling out of today? Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm actually in uh, Quincy, Illinois, actually right out uh, right on the Mississippi River border in between uh, Missouri and Illinois and so on the Illinois side so thank you very much it's it's, yeah, it's wonderful to be here and Sid as always vicious as always El Sid Sid vicious thank you for joining us um man this is about your 10th time on here Sid <laughs> I don't think it's that many but it's a, it's Almost. been a couple yeah yeah well, um, thank you so much. We were hoping to have a very interesting conversation today. Uh, you know, before we get started, we just want to ask you, I want to ask you guys both a few questions. So if you wouldn't mind, a little lightning quick round we call Friendly Fire. So sure. first one is that if you're making the ultimate, if you're making the ultimate waffle, what are the three ingredients you're putting? And I'm already guessing one of them is going to be maple syrup for Sid, so... Right, Sid. So, what are the other two, Sid? Uh, for the well, uh, for you, for three ingredients on a waffle. Uh, usually, I only put two, but uh, for sure, butter maple and syrup. some maple syrup. Um, yeah, come on. It's a little stereotypical, maybe, isn't it? Yeah, maybe he's Canadian. Could, he's Canadian. No, you could put a little nutmeg on it. I've okay. had that before. Not bad. Yep. Immediately, okay. my mind. Yeah, immediately, my mind went how to make a waffle. Well, flour and water <laughs> and Maybe some milk, yeah. And eggs, yeah. So actually, I think for me, the I do. I'm big on uh, maple syrup and powdered sugar. Mm -hmm. Powdered sugar. I like the the, the the powdered sugar. And sometimes I put, believe it or not, peanut butter. Oh no, that's, on, that's uh, actually not good. Yeah, yeah, peanut butter. I apparently. I'm going with whipped cream, uh, strawberries, and a little bit of honey. All right, uh, so Sid, Sid, what is your favorite? I want you to tell me your your favorite horror character uh, of all time. A horror character? Yeah, like horror movie. Oh, um, actually, uh, that would be um, Gabriel uh, from a movie called Prophecy. Oh man, that's the the Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, that, that, I mean, I don't know that that's amazing. You know, that, uh, lots of people don't even know that movie, but, uh, um, and I mean, he was even better than who was the guy from Lord of the Rings that played the devil in that, uh, movie. Gallum? Gallum. No, 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 the yeah. actor, the, what's his name? Vito Morganson. Oh, Vito uh, Morganson. Yeah. He yeah. played the devil in that, but, uh, but what Christopher Walken's character was for a horror movie, he was awesome. Uh, what about no. you, Jason? Uh, for me, you know, I, I always go back to to sci-fi horror, and I've always liked the movies like Predator, Alien, um, mm. Sphere, Abyss, you know, different things like that. Mm. I think out of all of that, I think I think the Aliens, uh, any Alien movie for mm. me has really captured my imagination. I love the isolation horror. I think that that is probably one of my favorites mm. uh, genre of horror. Hey, uh, real quick amazing story um so my girlfriend actually the same girlfriend who i had when i was at uh, central christian college at the bible she flew in to see me in california from uh, uh texas 
and Sigourney Weaver was on her flight. So whenever no I was kidding. I was waiting, I was waiting to um to greet her with a sign that I made. And I saw Sigourney Weaver walk out. I was like, hey, my girlfriend is just coming here first time in California. So she signed it for her, but uh. it's pretty cool. <laughs> I think my favorite one was Freddy Cougar, because in addition to just killing people, he had some really creative ways to kill people. So it's like uh What's the other guy's name? The for the Voorhees guy. He's just whacking people to death with well, the machete. Well, that would be Jason. Every, every which time, would be, which right. would be me. Jason. <laughs> My name. <laughs> it's a pretty. It's pretty redundant, you know. Just and then the Michael Myers is just a knife every time. So, okay. So so last question. Actually, this this question is only for Sid. Or Sid, I know you don't believe in God, but if you any one version of God could be true, um, what would which one would that be? That's actually funny you asked that because I had a question on Facebook regarding that. Um, well, it was kind of like that. It was basically saying that if you had to pick between two faiths, like you had to, there was no choice, like these are it. Would you pick animism or uh, polytheism? So my answer was, is anything with a booze god? And then I went on Wikipedia and you can find all the lists of all the gods that have anything to do with alcohol. Yeah. So like the God of wine, the God, and it's actually a great big list. So I jokingly, I threw that list up. I said, I'll follow any of these guys. Like if these guys are, <laughs> so, um, I mean, that's kind of a jokey answer, but, yeah. um, yeah. Uh, like, like, so, like Di Dionysus just Dionysus. On, uh, I didn't know, like I, I instantly thought of Dionysus, but I mean, there's all the, no I didn't even know this. And the Norseman had a God of alcohol. Oh, I didn't even know that. So Vic, can you, um, Jason and I are both Christians, but can you tell us really briefly, where would you rate on the docking scale? And I got to tell you, you've got to be the most least combated atheist I think I've ever met in my life. And you, 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 you haven't, you, you haven't seen me on Facebook, but uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm extra polite for this show, but yeah, Facebook, I can get a little, I can get a little heated, but. He's Canadian, so they're they're always polite, uh, Jason. <laughs> is that is that how that works? Yeah, yeah, except for ice hockey. As soon as we get a stick and blades, blades in our feet and stick in our hands, we turn Ooh, our yeah, we see, save it all up for that. Yeah. See, I'm a I'm a I'm a uh, I'm a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. Oh, Mr. And Crosby and Company, yes, yes, Mr. Crosby and Company, that's yeah. right. So flurry and flurry and friends, yeah. <laughs> so Sid, where would where would you put yourself on that scale? And are you necessarily opposed to God, or are you just not um, convinced that there is a God? Like, how would you parse that? Um, well, on uh, and again, we thought that scale that was one to seven, correct? One to seven being like the hardest hardcore atheist. Yeah. Like, so uh, yeah, um, I think it'd be five point eight or something around there. Mm -hmm. um, and sorry, what was the second part of the question you asked? Like you, I may be wrong, but you you haven't came off as a someone who's necessarily hostile to God or religion, but it's more like the the implications that happen sometimes as a result of that. Um, I, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. I mean, I'm not I'm not hostile towards God because how could you be hostile towards something you don't really believe is real? I mean um you know that'd be like being well no but it'd be like being hostile towards santa claus because he wasn't you know but <laughs> well, I mean, you don't get your gifts if you don't get your well gifts, that's true yeah i get lots of cool trust me um uh but uh there are some version i'm not i'm not as 
I'm not as uh, adamant as Hitchens was that religion poisons everything, but mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. there are definitely versions of religion that I would be opposed to. I guess I, I always, again, jokingly put it on Facebook. I said, it's not God. I'm I'm not a, it's not God. I'm not happy with it's God's various fan clubs that I have some issues with. Right. It's, so it's, it's not, it's not the idea of a, of a, I mean, I guess there are some versions of a God I wouldn't be super happy with if it was true, you know, I mean, cause I mean, everybody, when people ask you that question, they always presuppose that, you know, this God's all moral, all loving. Well, what if it right. wasn't, I mean, it could, it could very well be, there's a God that's malevolent, Right. Well, how how good would that be, right? I mean, if some guy showed up or some entity showed up saying, "I'm God, and I'm you got to kill these people, and you got to do this and that and the other thing," uh -huh. and that I don't really want to do, uh, sure. I don't think I I I'd still have to believe that he was real, but uh, that doesn't necessarily follow that I have to follow him. Right. Right. Speaking of which, I want to ask you a quick question before we get into the meat of our topic today, which is uh, Jason and my um, journey to Bible college. And I'm really hoping that some people listen to this and have maybe a little bit more empathy for the people who are Christians or who are ministers, because when you kind of understand from the back end of some of the things that we experience, even if you can't have empathy with us for not experiencing that yourself, you can still understand that, hey, we're on a journey, we're on a spiritual journey, and sometimes we ourselves get scarred by Christians and we are Christians ourselves. And so uh, we just kind of want to share that journey, you know, and some of the, some of the insiders club, I guess you could say uh, the insiders position. But that being said, I want to ask you real quick. Um, did your parents ever teach you about Santa Claus and, or the tooth fairy? Like, did you ever do the money under the, or the Chris, uh, the money under the the pillow, or the Christmas, um, like leaving carrots for the Santa's reindeers, or anything like that. Uh, for me, yeah, we did, we did, we did all of that stuff. You know, it was never oh, one of the things. God. Like it was, it, it really no, it was never one of those things where it was like, well, that's because I did grow up in a Christian home, but they weren't like, well, that's demonic and everything like that. We did Halloween, we did all of the this stuff like that we read harry potter all the time you know i mean there was just all these things that christians during that time like during the 90s they were really pushing and i'm i'm saying pushing hard to get rid of all of this stuff i mean there it, it was pretty <laughs> there was it was it was like a salem witch trial of just old traditions that we have yeah. well, spongebob spongebob was gay apparently yeah Could I have apparently a quick just on that topic just a quick question for for both you guys actually sure i don't understand what the, during the 90s like you said with the harry potter thing i don't understand the fascination with harry potter or the opposition to harry potter because if you read uh c.s lewis the line the witch in the wardrobe there's like isn't that the same kind of book like i i, I i've only read half of one of I, i'll be honest i'm probably the last person on the planet that's ever read any harry potter because when it i was too old by far when it came out and uh just recently my nephew started reading it so i'm starting to read it with him but i instantly when i started reading that book the first one the harry potter and the philosopher's stone it instantly reminded me of c.s lewis and uh, the line mm. the witch in the wardrobe and i don't know why you would be opposed to one and, and embracing of the other that's just first kind of a quick question to you guys first of all you dodged my question so i want you to answer the santa question first because you got to oh, answer all I'm the sorry. questions here yeah yeah first okay uh santa santa santa. oh yeah we 
Yeah. So no, no, we did all the same things just like, uh, um, God, you know, we did Santa Claus. We did the tooth fairy. We did Halloween. We did. Yeah. I but it didn't take, it didn't take that long to figure out that Santa was your parents, you know, like. I feel totally robbed, totally robbed on the Santa Claus thing because it was like, it was funny because sometimes they were talking, some kids were talking at school about whether or not it was real. And it was like never even a question for me. So I feel superly robbed by that. And, and I didn't get a chance to trick or treat until I was 18 years old. And I got like five pieces of candy because the parents were like, like, really, dude, you're out here. Like, here's one piece of candy. Uh, it was so demoralizing. But to answer your question, I don't know, because a lot of Christians hold double standards for a lot of things. But I mean, if I'm going to guess, if I'm just a merely guess, I think part of it maybe has to do with, hmm, actually, I don't really know. I can't really get. Oh, that's I fair know. enough. I, well, just, I, can, I can throw okay, something cool. out for that sure. one. I mean, I think there's, there's several different places there that I see this. Um, first off, a lot of people are looking at J.K. Rowling and then they were looking at C.S. Lewis and they're like, well, C.S. Lewis, you know, he was kind of a, converted to Catholicism and he wrote Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe to be an allegory, to be a metaphor. And mm -hmm. then they looked at Harry Potter and they're like, well, she's just all about witchcraft. Yeah, but you yeah. know, if you actually look at the book itself and you read through Harry Potter, really Harry Potter is all about, and oh, strike us dead. It's all about love. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really yeah. that's the, and, and, People were, were, were saying, well, you know, it, it, it's, it's black magic, it's, it's voodoo, it's, it's terrible things. They were looking at the same thing like um, Dungeons and Dragons as being like a gateway to Satanism. Uh, activity yeah. to Satanism because role-playing is basically putting you in the role of some sort of magician mm -hmm. or some sort mm -hmm. of sorcerer or anything like right. that. But in the Bible, one of the things that people don't realize is that originally when they were talking about sorcery the original greek word for sorcery is pharmacia and that word literally means pharmaceuticals right and so sorcery back in those days was huffing volcanic gases from you know the prophetess of delphi hovering over these volcanic gases and just tripping for 24 hours a day <laughs> and, yeah. and giving mm -hmm. prophecy you know that was sorcery and so what we equate to it now is in in quite honestly isn't what they equated to it back then and so hmm. i i don't you know yeah so part of the r is having respect and so i'm not going to try to be as an answer because sometimes i can try to take you guys but i really don't know because that's that's actually a very valid question but speaking of which i want to tell you real quick my story um because i went to bible college my freshman year my mom strong armed me to go there I became an atheist while I was there the last month. And then I wind up getting my associate's degree in history. And then to appease my mom, I wind up going back to try to find God. And so when I went there, I had a lot of hatred built up towards like conservative Christians. And I, and <laughs> Jason's gonna know what I'm talking about. I had all this left-wing propaganda all over my room to like throw in the faces of everybody there. And so I kind of just, I'm like, I'm going to own this, man. I'm going to, I'm going to wear earrings. I'm going to paint my toenails. 
I'm gonna wear actually it's ironically enough, I used to like steal my girlfriend's clothes and stuff and wear them. I used to take their like bright pink shirts and stuff. So anyway, um, but prior to I, I, I do have something to tell you, like prior to going there my second time, somebody told me this. They said, You're gonna go to Bible college and there's gonna be the same exact thing going on at any college, but it's just gonna be hidden, you know. And I didn't really, I didn't really accept that. I was like, no, I, I didn't believe that. But then when I went there, and I don't know if it's just kind of like a law of attraction, because like, like at the time, I had a girlfriend. She lived in Texas, and you know, we we're we we're sleeping together. And and I went there, and sometimes spring vacation, I'd go home, and you know, we'd be sleeping together. And you know, and I did a little bit of drinking, not not a whole lot, but. Um, I still had all this stuff that I was going on in my life, pornography, all this other stuff. And uh, I didn't, I didn't have a relationship with God, with Jesus Christ. So, but I, I think the other people who, who had those kind of things, um, I don't know, just a matter of gravitation. You had like the really, really rel religious kids who there, who like goody two shoes, never do anything wrong. And then I, which I guess Jason was a part of, but then there's the other kids who are doing all the other stuff that was going on anywhere. And, uh, but I don't know, Jason, what was your, uh, did you go there four years or? I went four years. Okay. So I remember, you know, very well, Isaiah, I remember you coming to school and, and for the propaganda, I remember the first time I went back to your room and saw that pride flag hanging up and all the other stuff God. that you had in there. And, and I see, I was really naive though. I think that as I grew up, I, in my, a little bit of my story is I, was a military brat moved all over the united states with my father and my mother and my father was in the in the military and everywhere we went we went to church but it was all these different denominations so i got all these different views of what a christian is or what to believe and when i got to babe a senior in high school i wanted to i wanted to go to college to become a botanist uh, I love plants and I wanted to go and I wanted to do something in science. My parents looked at me and they said, we won't have the money to send you to college. It's like, well, I don't know what to do. And, um, well, you love God. Why don't be in the ministry? You're really good at speaking and things like that. And so for the first little while, I was kind of coerced into going because they were offering tuition paid scholarships to that school at the time and so i went and as isaiah was saying I, I i don't think i was goody two shoes as much as i was just everything had to be just right i was so incredibly hard on myself because i looked at all of the people that were there and i looked at godliness and i said to myself this is the standard that i need to be and so i was placing a lot of expectations on myself a lot of expectations that I think were um, detrimental to my mental health and detrimental to, to really me. Um, I was stressed out all the time. At the age of 21, I had a stroke. Really? And yeah, I don't even remember that. I, I had a stroke when I was a junior in college and, and it, it, it took me out of what? commission for a little while. Yeah. Yeah, it was 2005. If you were there, I think you yeah, were. I was, I was definitely there. Um, I had a stroke and took me out of commission for a while. 
Um, and you know what? Nobody, nobody really visited me. Nobody really did anything like that. There was one, the professor and his wife came in and they offered me a place to live around campus so that I could go back to school. And they actually nursed me back to health. My parents lived almost 300 miles away and they showed me love by bringing me in. That was pretty much some of the only people that did. Wait, who was your, who was your, um, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was professor Sowers and his wife. Sowers. Um, do you remember them? Brenda, yeah, Brenda and, um, Brenda and, uh, yeah, uh, Brenda and David, David Sowers. Yep. So mm -hmm. I got there like the second part of 05. So I'm not, if it was the beginning, I got there in like the winter time. So, uh, I might not that was right around the time that it would have been bad. That, yeah, that I so. had it so but it it was one of those things that I, I got knocked out of commission for a little while and I started to realize that you know there were a lot there's a lot of talk mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that would say you know what we're praying for you we love you wow. we care about you but aside from those people helping me I didn't receive a lot of well, wow. and I suffered from incredible anxiety after that. And it was around that time I met my now wife, Constance, um, there. And that was, that was absolutely wonderful. But, you know, even then there was just, it seemed like when you think of Christians and you think of the love that Christians are supposed to have, like Jesus showed, I didn't see a whole lot of that. Right. And I, that followed me into the ministry. I carried that with me into the ministry, this, this almost negativity and it hurt me Yeah, and it really did. And so I understand what you're saying, Isaiah, that, you know, Bible college and everything like that. We were a bunch of young punks, yeah. you know, yeah, we, we, were. Were, we were, we were a bunch of young punks. We didn't know what we were doing. Of course. No life experience. And after I got out, my wife and I struggled because we got married about a week after I graduated wow. in 06. And my wife and I struggled. We really struggled because we had all of this, these ideas that what Christian ministers are supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And we lived in a glass house. You would mm -hmm. not believe people were scrutinizing our every movement, everything like that. It was horrible. And yeah. after we ministered in Oklahoma for a little while. I quit the ministry. I didn't give up on God. I quit the ministry. It's like, it's like you were saying, Sid, you know, I believe that there are people out there that, that do not believe in God at all. And then there's people that believe in him, but think he's just a jerk, you know, to, to believe in him and think, think, yeah, come on. And then there are people like me, that I believe in God, but I hated his kids. <laughs> yeah. you know like like i had i had a really hard time for the longest time i was so jaded yeah. and it was that reality that the people are really you know the people are just people yeah that really helped me to understand that when you're in the ministry or you're you're, you're working with people in the ministry that you're working with with people that are flawed 
they're flawed. Everybody's yeah. flawed. And then I look out at, at people that like the atheist or the Muslim or the Hindi or whoever that I meet, we're all flawed. And so it, yeah, it yeah. kind of opened my mind. It was like, we're all on the same level. Mm -hmm. I can't look at these people and say, you know, you're better than that person or you're better than, than Sid or, or, or anything like that, because that wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. It makes zero sense. We're all flawed. Well, I forget. Right. I, I, oh, go ahead, Isaiah. No, sit, sit, sit. I want you in here. No, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I can't remember who said this, but somebody said the problem with Christianity is Christians and the problem with Buddhism is Buddhists <laughs> and the problem with Islam is Muslims. And like you say, I mean, uh, uh, both you guys were saying how, you know, you, you get to get to the college and you kind of have this one expectation of what it's going to be. And then you wind up with a different experience. I mean, I think every person on the planet carries two sets of books i mean mm -hmm. we all have kind of a built-in hypocrisy in a way you know that that yeah i can you know and you know another old saying is don't do don't watch what i say watch what i do mm -hmm. so people's actions tend like you were saying um when you were in a hospital and no one really came to visit well <laughs> i could sort of see the students not wanting to come to visit because those everybody was young Mm -hmm. And yeah. that would be awkward to have a young person with a stroke and maybe they, you know, I, I can't say, I don't know who you had as friends at the, at the college. Um, I know we had a girl that I graduated uh, high school with and two years later, she had a massive stroke, like it totally disabled her. Wow. And uh, me and my other buddy went to see her, but not a lot of our people from high school went to see her. And I think it was just because of, we, of our age and how mm -hmm. awkward that would be. But as far as your professors, um, I mean, that's a, I'm surprised only one would come and visit you. It was one. Yeah, yeah. it really was. Because you know, those people are adults. They should know that despite how awkward it is, you need support, right? Right, yeah. right. It was it was very, very difficult to see that. It, it just seemed like there was just an absolute lack. And, you know, they worked with me with my credits and everything like that. But it, they were also giving me a time limit. They were like, well, you, you got to get back together in about three months it's like yeah. i had a stroke, uh, stroke. are yeah. you serious sid, so, like, oh, yeah. sid actually you had suffered a stroke you're telling us uh, about that before right me or a temporal lobe something oh yeah no i got diagnosed with um temporal lobe episode i went in for a bone marrow transplant in 2019 so they did some pre-checking pre before you go in for the transplant. And one of the conditions I had, which I didn't really know I had, was temporal lobe epilepsy. So, yeah, um, the brain is an amazingly, amazingly fragile organ. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, and I imagine yeah. yours was induced by stress, I'm assuming. Yeah, and also I have a blood condition that I didn't know about. There you I go. Had, yeah. You know, I had a blood condition for the last 21 years that i was just growing and growing and growing and it was just getting worse and worse and worse and i never knew you know and that would explain all the headaches i had you know right. i had a lot of headaches yeah and so yeah it was that and i'm glad that they found it because they tested my kids out and neither one of them have it which is good but it's a genetic disorder yeah yeah so i got a, i got a general question for you guys and it's yeah. and i guess i you know no, I guess I'm going to have to display my ignorance here because hmm. uh, as far as how ministries and churches are set up, and of course it's all, you know, obviously a Catholic church is set up way different than Protestant churches and then different Protestant denominations, I imagine, have their own systems. But did, like, <laughs> is it kind of like a, a credential thing to go to Bible college to become a minister? 
is that why people go like it shows that you can get a job at a church or not a, yeah. i don't know if jobs are, i would imagine being a minister is not like a regular job like i went to college for a technical diploma to become a technician right so in order to do so, the job i wanted to do you'd have to have mm -hmm. saying you went to this school you took this many years of your studies so you know how what you're doing when you come to work here mm -hmm. so is that what basically bible colleges is, is is for a vocational uh yeah. credential yes and no okay there's that is a yes and no um some some people their parents want to send them there for one year after they graduate high school or one or two years just so that they learn about the bible but uh and so they don't have any any plans to pursue it further i met plenty of kids like that Technically speaking, you don't need a degree, you know, to be a to be a minister. If you think about the life of Jesus Christ, he wouldn't have had a formal training, and he was calling people who were like fishermen, so they wouldn't have had any formal training. So it doesn't really make sense to absolutely require every, you know, every person to have a degree. But I mean, if you want to go to, if you want to make, you know, decent money or a big sized church, you're going to definitely need like a MDiv, which is like a Master of Divinity which I think um, he has. I have it. I have it, but I can completely be honest with you. I don't have the, you know, the best pay in the world. <laughs> you know? and, and, and that's what you're going to run into with, uh, with the ministry. See, the reason that a lot of these churches would ask for people to be ministered is because they wanted to make sure that people were being educated mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. the Bible and the correct doctrine. Now, the problem that you run into, though, is there are a lot of different um, there are a lot of different interpretations right. that that different schools of thought bring in. Like you, you have different denominational schools. You have Christian college schools. You have Baptist schools. You have um, Episcopal, and you have all of these different Catholic, you know, education mm -hmm. and everything like that. Because the difference between something like your vocation, uh, Sid, with going to tech school is that that's pretty, you know, black standard. and white, right? I mean, universal, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. universal. I mean, you know, this plugs into this, and this works for this, and you type that in, and that's what's going to happen. But when it comes with faith and everything like that, it is over 2000 or even more than that years of people talking with each other, learning from each other, um, deciding on theology with one another. And then in our, in our view and in our faith, and this, this, this is even harder for a lot of people to believe is that the Bible we believe is inspired by God. Now that is, that is, one that is probably one of the biggest divisions i would say in a lot of churches is whether or not it's fully inspired and so you also have that you have people discussing that like what does this mean what does that mean and so that's one of the reasons why you go to a four-year bible college that a lot of churches require you to and they really do require you to because they want to make sure that you have a good grounding in the scriptures or in whatever their denomination is laying out for you because mm -hmm. oh so that's, that makes that's sense kind of that makes yeah sense. yeah now is, oh can i go ahead isaiah or you got yeah, one yeah yeah no uh, i was just gonna say so um again as a <laughs> novice to this um is there a difference in like you have a master's in what's the, uh, sorry you said it's, in it's them, called the masters divinity. of divinity divinity yeah. okay is there a difference between going to college for that 
and somebody that takes a, 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 a degree or a bachelor of theology. Yeah, there's a little bit of a difference. And okay. the, difference, the difference in that is theology really focuses on the actual scriptures themselves, like right. the theology of Christianity. Divinity actually focuses on different aspects of the ministry, like chaplaincy services and mm, pastoral okay. care, okay. counseling, different mm. things like that. And so that's kind of what I, I actually am a counselor. I'm a certified marriage counselor. Right. And so I'm able to sit down with people in, I, I call it a pseudo clinical fashion and kind of sit with them and go through marriage counseling and different things like that. And I can counsel individuals through their problems as well as not just a believer, but also somebody who has a background in counseling and a little mm -hmm. bit of psychology and philosophy. Okay. Philosophy is another part of, uh, of my degree in, because they teach you philosophy as well. Okay. You know, okay. I, I, I do want to tell you something, um, Sid. I am, because I don't know, I, I had a personally bad experience, very bad experience. And it's not as though I'm entirely against Bible colleges. But the thing is, is that you got to understand if you're taking a bunch of like 18 year old guys there, right? They're very uh, susceptible to, uh, I guess you can call it getting brainwashed into a certain way of thinking. And then it's like a bunch of guys, like, you know, we all just want to watch as much pornography and, you know, masturbate as much as we can. I mean, that's a, any typical 18-year-old guy you have. So it's, it's um, if I would have had the experience going to Bible college right now as a believer, uh, as a matured person, it would be totally different than my 18-year-old person, <laughs> like yeah. totally different. So I'm just, I think there can be some indoctrination that happens there. Um, I saw a lot of indoctrination and it's like, okay, what winds up happening is maybe not so much at this place, but you wind up like loading these people up with a lot of debt and they, they, they kind of, um, they had a bunch of churches, which this, this school did very great who would like uh, individuals who would contribute so that the children, uh, the, the students could go there uh, debt free. So they would pay you for your tuition. And that was actually really good. I would, I said they, that was incredible that they did that. But a lot of these other schools, you know, people graduate with this gigantic uh, student loan debts. And then, and on top of that, it's not like an officially accredited university. Like they don't, ha they don't have the same kind of standards that, um, other universities would have so for example when i graduated i tried to go get a master's degree and they didn't accept um they wouldn't accept my uh my bachelor's degree so yeah. it's very limited in what you could do and in fact a lot of people i i know a lot of people from ministry who got out of ministry and they're kind of doing just doing stuff like i know one guy who's like a plumber um, some of us are like just teacher's aides because there's no real like skill set. You know, I mean, you're just, you. and the truth is, is that, and the point is what I'm trying to say is that you don't need, you don't in, in all practicality, you don't need a Bible college to do that. Like uh, the Holy Spirit is like your Bible college uh, mentor and you're able to learn these things. I, I learned, I literally learned more in two weeks, actually being a Christian, studying the Bible by myself than I did you know, in four years there, because 
Uh, and yeah, I was going to say, one of the things that you had mentioned was you got, you got these people that because the accreditation doesn't transfer over. And so people who are getting a ministry degree, they say, well, this is what I'm going to do. Right. And so they go into the ministry and they are not mature in mm -hmm. what they do. And so you get these ministers that come in and they, they do more harm than they do good. We're mm -hmm. talking ministers that, that aren't ready to be in the ministry, yeah, but they do absolutely. it because that's all they, that's all they've got as well, a degree. I'm going to screw this up who, who did this, but I think it was Daniel Dennett. Uh, I don't know if you guys know who that is. He's a philosopher and, and he's one quote, of the quote, four horsemen, horsemen, right? Yeah. I'm familiar um, with Daniel with Bennett. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he, it was him that they set up a project where they went to interview um, uh, ministers that had um, basically stopped believing, mm -hmm. but were kind of stuck in the job. And I think it goes back a little bit mm -hmm. to what Isaiah was saying, where they had this degree or this the certification and it was really only good for <laughs> one right. job right. and then they were in the job and it was like well i don't believe this anymore but i'm kind of i'm good at this i can talk in front of people and i can give yeah you know, i can give marriage counseling yeah. i can do x y and z but i'm kind of stuck in the job right it, it do you do you guys do you guys know if anybody that was like that or is like me. that or you don't have to give names but me you know okay me. I became an atheist after that experience because I was so traumatized by it again. So I became an atheist on two different occasions. The first time it was because of politics. I went there and they were saying like, you can't be a Democrat and be a Christian. And like my mom was a Democrat and, and a Christian. I'm like, you guys have never met my mom. How would you even, how would you even parse that? You know what I mean? You have no idea who my mom is. Um, so that, of course, made me become very uh, angry about it. That's why I was so left-wing. Uh, I wasn't even interested in politics prior to that. So, and then after that, it was a different experience there because they had this, okay, if you don't believe theologically everything you do, you are an absolute idiot and you're probably going to go to hell. So you guys just need to think the way that we think. They're fundamentalists. I mean, that was, that's what it was. Yeah. And that's not all Christians now, but oh, that's, yeah. that's definitely some. But yeah. hold on. But after I graduated, um, after I graduated and I came to South Korea, I look back at the stage in my life with so much regret because I saw an opening for a preacher and I'm like, well, I know all the scriptures. I know I, I certainly could stand up and no one's going to know the difference about me, anyone else. But I'm like, I can make the money, but you know, I still had a girlfriend who I was sleeping with and still getting drunk and stuff. And as I said, it was strictly a monetary thing that I needed the money to do, but if I could go back, I'd change it. But at the end of the day, it plays a huge part um, in my conversion story. So maybe I wouldn't change it because it's given me appreciation for my faith, like a lot more than most people have, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and for, for me, I do know a few people that are like that. They won't admit it. Mm -hmm. they, they, they won't admit it, but, um, we are also under the the idea that you know by by your fruit by what you bear in your life and and everybody does you know everybody mm -hmm. everybody will say well i believe this or i'm all about this but their actions will actually say mm -hmm. something else 
that is exactly what we what I see with several individuals. Yeah. And um, there are, it, it is a very, very difficult thing to watch. I feel like many of our institutions, our Christian institutions set up our young people for failure because what they do is is they create kind of a one-trick pony and that creates a problem because when they get out they don't really they still don't have the life skills beyond mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the ministry mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like a friend that you were mentioning who's a plumber and i think i know exactly who that is curtis and it is yeah it is curtis and he you know, he, he's kind of very, very much a similar way of, of, of the things that had happened in his life. And what he ended up doing was he was like, well, I can't really do much with this. And so he went into a trade school mm -hmm. and now he's a plumber and he's becoming a master plumber for yeah, that. Yeah, he really is. But it, he, he started doing that well within his thirties, you know? Yeah. So, and, so, and that's tough for kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so a lot of a lot of kids, I would say to either as adults, they're either not religious, or they're just like flat out atheists, or some of them are even in like full on out like homosexual uh, marriages. Uh, Sid, because a lot of these guys I knew, and I was you know they'd see me with my toenails painted, and so they naturally like saw me as a safe person there, and the gay rights flag that I had. So. But they were being told that you guys are the worst people like on this planet. So they, they, they like never dealt with this side. They'd be like cowered in fear. And as a result of that, I mean, they wind up leaving, you know, leaving the faith as well. So a lot or of trying guys, or, or trying to kill themselves. Yeah. We literally, had, literally I mean, one of the guys tried to kill himself yeah. mm -hmm. and they just kicked him out. So that was their, that our administrative, our administration's policy was like, if you, if you were to ever to get drunk, just, you just get kicked, kicked out. Um, there was a girl said that was sleeping around with like half the guys in the campus. I swear, she's like, she was just going around with every guy. Not and, me. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. And like, I can someone's on a no-fly list. I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was a no-fly so, list. Yeah. So, so she got caught. I mean, she was she was openly bragging about about this promiscuity, and she got caught and. That is like such a, a disturbing thing to if someone's doing that, like someone like that really needs help, you know. And I found out later on she had some childhood trauma and stuff issues that was causing her to behave like that. And but rather than trying to deal with her, rather than trying to get her the help, like again, the administrative's response was just kick everybody out, just just boom. You, you have these, if you have, you know, if you have doubts or whatever, like it just I know that's one of the questions you have, right? About if you have well, doubts. Well, I was just yeah, I was just going to ask that, but maybe right. it's a, almost a redundant question. But, um, you know, were you guys encouraged to ask, like, I get, I'm taking it, people were encouraged to ask tough questions, or were they allowed to, or were you allowed to express some doubt uh, in some of the classes, or that, could you push at the professors on certain things, or <laughs> I guess that, that's a no, I don't know. Well, they would say it's a yes, but, but they would it, it was it was almost like this unwritten rule with certain professors that and, and keep in mind now this is a fundamentalist college this is not all christian colleges mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but their their thing was that if you're asking questions and everything like that then you've already believed that you know you already you come in with these different questions it, one of the big ones that 
a lot of people were fighting against. And I think that this is a very petty argument. I think this is petty and it caused so much division among many of the people was the idea of baptism. Mm-hmm. whether baptism is necessary for a person to be saved or it is not in the school that we went to they believed it was okay even though within scriptures it was it was somewhat ambiguous whether or yeah. not it was or not and so this you would have people come in and they would ask questions about baptism because them going to church it was not anything that they needed to do to be saved all they needed to do was believe right And so they would ask these questions, and it was almost as if the professors didn't have a lot of grace for those questions, you know, and I saw that. And that's one of the reasons why, even though I didn't really believe that myself, I told everybody I did, because I didn't want to be singled out. Mm-hmm. I had to actually compromise my own feelings on certain things that I understood as truth in order to be accepted in that school and that was really hard and i think a lot of people were were doing that too because there was a lot of deception going on with what people really believe and understand well i wouldn't have done well there then because i argued with all my professors at school so (laughs) and you probably could because it was you know in many like liberal arts colleges which this is not one of those in many of those types of colleges they have open debate they have open an open policy to ask questions because that isn't that part of learning right right, isn't that part of learning but there was this there was this underlying not in korea no not not in korea really yeah you're just not confucianism is like you don't ask your teachers questions like not even a question like you just sit there and listen to them it's part of the respect of the, the the order in confucianism so everyone assumes that asian people are like super smart and they're not like they're not critically think they're they can memorize crap they'll 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 sit down and memorize something for 10 hours but if you ask them a critical thinking question like they cannot they cannot answer it you know so it's very similar i think to the um to the bible college experience because there's just not a lot of critical thinking and so and that's hard to do let me tell you this it's hard to do when your professors are making it sound like they're like uh you know, like representative gods themselves, like, like, like they just have all of the answers. And if you don't believe in it, you're a fool and you probably should question your salvation. And that's what I got from there. That's what I took from there. I never bought into the whole baptism or the other kind of stuff that they were teaching because I had gone through, I had, I had gotten a degree in history and I'd already understood log- logic and argument and rhetoric prior to going into the second time. The first time I knew absolutely nothing there. So I was able to analyze the stuff they were saying. I'm like, this just does not line up, guys. Like, like for example, just take that one issue alone, right? If you understand the Bible, you'll understand you could do 100% right on the outside in the eyes of God and still your heart be 100% opposite of his, you know? If you're just doing this stuff to try to make yourself feel better or to try to earn for your salvation, if that's what you're trying to do and you're trying to one-up people, then your motivation is completely wrong. So it, it seems to me they didn't understand that basic concept that it's not a matter of getting dunked into some water. It's a matter of having your heart changed, you know? And you know what I mean? I, 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 nope, go ahead. 
and for all the times that I had had seen people do that incorrectly, where they were they were really pushing that, you know, we could we could harp on Bible college. I think one of the things that it did for me in a positive aspect was it did encourage me actually to critically think hmm. because through the professors and everything like that they were kind of saying this is what it is and all that other students were like other students were like you know what why not ask a question why not ask questions other students were helping me to kind of get out of the whole this is the way it is, the way it is, the way it is kind of thing to kind of open up my mind to different things. Like I would not have pursued other things like philosophy and different things like that if it wasn't for other students challenging the idea of what the professors were saying and whether or not that was the right way or not, you know? And so it really did it. I think a lot of it, it challenged me in a very good way. It challenged me to be able to improve upon myself and improve upon my critical thinking and my logic and to mm. ask questions despite the fact I wasn't allowed to, mm. even though they said I was, but you know. Yeah, I'm not sure that's totally a, um, a Bible college phenomenon because when I was in college, I mean, because again, when I went to college, it was a year, I took a year off after high school and I went to college. And um, I was going to be a nurse because my buddy went in. I didn't know what to do. So my buddy was going in to be a nurse and my mom mm -hmm. had been a nurse. And my mom said, Mind well, you, you know, my, my mom, mom said, you know what, nurse, especially a male nurse, um, you can always get a job. Like they, they, they'll always hire a male nurse and oh, nursing yeah. in general, you can always find a job. There's always somewhere, wherever you move, there's always good work. And she said, and you could do that till you found something you wanted to do. So I took my, me and my buddy went and we took all the, pre, and he had to take a bunch of prerequisites for nursing. One of them was biology. So we're in the classroom and this teacher's going on and on about some enzyme, something, something in the, in the Krebs cycle of the cell. And it was just like, I understood each word was English, but when you strung all those words together in the two paragraphs he was talking about, it was just, so I just, and I'm looking around. And people are kind of nodding and writing notes. And I'm thinking, well, I must be an idiot. because uh, So I put my hand up and I said, uh, everything you just said for the last three minutes, you're going to have to go through again because I have no idea <laughs> what you said. Like, I don't, honestly, I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. So there's some snickering in the class, right? So I'm sitting there and then he's, then he's kind of looking at me. And he's like, yeah, okay. So he kind of went in a different way. And you could see light bulbs going off above people's heads. Mm-hmm. So after the class, somebody said to me, well, you know, one of the persons that did get it on the first try said to me, why would you embarrass? I said, what, embarrass? I said, I'm paying for this. Why, why would I sit in a classroom and have the teacher go through something that I'm paying him for to teach me? And I don't know what he's teaching me. But I don't think that's, I don't think that's something unique to, to, to you guys' mm. schooling experience. I think in schooling in general, young students are afraid to confront that's older people mm. and challenge them. I think that's just human yeah. nature, my thing. But yeah, but then, I, I, get, oh, oh, I was no, just no, going to go say, but then if you like, if you like compound that with a person and their, their, their idea of eternal salvation. Yes. You know, I was just going to say that's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then it's, it, there's a anxiety that kind of follows that in, in many ways. So <laughs> I, I guess, hard. yeah, I guess so. The, then one of my, one of my last questions, I guess, is that, um, um, and maybe you guys have already answered it, so maybe this is redundant, but 
I'm definitely getting the feeling that that the purpose of Bible college um, isn't a isn't a spiritual development; it's a vocational development. Right, 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 right. And is and I, I guess as a add on to that, um, how big a problem is that? Uh, so that are they trying to are they trying to pump out ministers or are they trying to <laughs> you know because I'm, I'm getting the feeling for you guys that what they're trying to do is pump out ministers that okay we've taught them this this is the doctrine this is whatever and this is mm-hmm. what they go t- tell everybody is that fair or yeah so that's it's really interesting the comparison you're making between being a doctor or um the chemical uh or the engineering one that you're talking about sid um i will say this I'm not entirely sure that it's a malicious thing that they're trying to do. Because I think that if you're like, let's say like a 50 year old professor and you have life experience and you genuinely want to steer these kids in the right direction, like that's a good thing, you know? It, it's, it's not a negative thing. The problem is, is though, is that you gotta understand you have a bunch of guys here, especially out in the Midwest, there's a bunch of guys who have left home for their first time at 18. And a lot of people were doing things like, you know, drinking and just, I mean, there was this one room, like literally it was like an opium den, den with, with dipping. They would, I mean, this guy, I swear, his name was Tex. He was from Texas, you know, Tex, he would oh, literally yeah. have gallons yeah, and gallons. He would, I don't know why he would save the spit from his dipping, you know, when he chewed the tobacco and he had like gallons of, it's just, it was disgusting, but, um, but really, these guys, you know, they just wanted to do, they wanted to be kids at 18 years old. So when I, if I have an, a talk with an 18-year-old person who, who hasn't traveled or is not a father or hasn't had any big losses in their life, like, there's really only so far I could have a conversation with them, you know? So you're, you're, trying, to, you're trying to teach these kids who I would say the vast, vast, vast majority of them are not Christians, like they're there because their parents are putting pressure on them. Like my parents, you know, I wasn't a Christian. I didn't become a Christian until the age of 32 years old. And that was a literally a full decade after being uh, in college. So you have this, and then you have a lot of guys there who are struggling with mental health issues. And um, they've suffered from abuse uh, as kids. And, and everybody has to put on this front, like, we're okay, we're good, we're spiritual inside i'll speak for myself like a month before before going to bible college i had digested like 150 sleeping pills and um i I went to bed not think not thinking i'd wake up and i woke up with the biggest headache like i felt like my i felt i literally felt like my head was like to the sky it was felt so big and uh, i had spent three days in the hospital and another guy who i know um was in there like a you know, he just broke down, and one day he broke uh, he, he broke his arm by punching the wall, and his his hand got like really swollen. But he he told me at at a, at a previous time about his extensive drug use and alcoholism, and and another guys I know too. One of the guys here who I know in South Korea, so alcoholic, you know, like full on alcoholic, and just didn't get the help that he needed. So I think if I'm going to give advice, like. It's fine to have the institution, but you got to really understand there has to be a spiritual side of it that isn't just a matter of like just getting the grades or passing classes. I, I think there needs to be more emphasis on that. And and probably I would, I mean, I hate to say this, but I, I probably wouldn't admit anyone under the age of 20, 
because I think you just need a couple of years. Like the Mormons take a couple of years off to grow. South Koreans take two years off and they go to the military. So by the time they actually do go to college, they can learn a lot more. But I don't know, what, what would your advice be on that one? Um, in, in what I'm, I'm looking at it is exactly what Sid said. I think that what they do in Bible college is, is they equip you intellectually. Okay, they equip you intellectually. They have to understand that it is you have an intellect, right? You have an intellect, and they also have there's a spiritual part of things too. It's that under under the surface type stuff, okay? That uh, that brings about feelings and brings about temptations and brings about different stuff like that. You know, what is that driving force that's underneath all of that? And that's the thing that they don't really equip you to work with you know what i'm saying yeah they don't really equip you to be able to better that part of you how do you fight temptation how do you you're 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 given all of these rules right you're given these rules you're given these requirements and things like that but you're not equipping me with the actual psychological means in order to follow these rules. You're not equipping me with that. We had a class in Bible college called uh, spiritual formation and it was basically a semester and I felt it was a joke. I, I honestly, I didn't think that there was much formation going on. You know, it, it gave you kind of the, the rigmarole, read your Bible daily write stuff down, pray daily. Okay, great. But there's got to be more. There's got to be actual application. There's got to be, you know, how do I apply these things to my life in order to follow that which is being given to me within the scriptures? Because, hey, there's some hard-pressed stuff in there. I mean, really, if you look at the Ten Commandments, I mean, it tells you, it tells you several things. You're not supposed to steal. You're not supposed to lie at all. No lying whatsoever. Okay. Yep. I mean, that's, that's not easy to, uh, to get yourself, you know, away from, because you have to teach a child how, how not, how to lie. You don't have to teach a child how to lie. They do it automatically. Yeah. It, it just becomes part of them, you know? And so it's just something that is ingrained in us to just break these rules. And, we're not equipped, I think, how to do that. And also we're not equipped how to deal with the very broken people that can come into churches. That's right, one thing right, that we're not, right. we're not equipped with. So a young minister goes in there and that was me. I went as, as a youth minister and I went into a church that was dysfunctional. I mean, it was dysfunctional and we got so burnt out within the first year. My wife and I were about done. We were, we were just about, about done. We did not know that the ministry would, would be like this, that there would be hypercritical individuals. We thought it was all going to be sunshine and roses, that people were going to be super nice and that everybody was going to be just like Jesus. Um, that is so, so wrong because the, the church is actually a place for the sick. It's a place yeah. for people who, who need uh, help. And, 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 that's, and that's okay. That's what mm -hmm. it needs to be. But we weren't equipped for that. Yeah, I was yeah. just going to say, because if you weren't encouraged to ask any questions or, or question anything in, in school, when you got to the church, how would you deal with people that like 
an 18 year old kid come up, start asking all these critical questions or, yeah. or, you know, like somebody that had a bunch of doubting questions, how would, if you, if you weren't yeah. trained in that mindset, right. how would you deal with that? You know, and you know what? Whoever. Yeah. You know what, Sid? I think, and I, oh, I got a question for you afterwards, uh, joking, but, um, but Sid, so I think a lot of people aren't comfortable with giving an, I don't know answer. And so, as you notice, I do that a lot of times in the podcast, because that's literally one of the things that caused me to become an atheist, because I, when I was there and they, I would ask the professor some of these questions, and then they would try to give these cockamamie, you know, jibber jabber responses and justifications. It was like, it was a slap in the face to my intellect, honestly. So we need to be i think if we have a humility that says that we don't know the answers to all of these questions it's better to not give a response than to give just a, a bad response bad one. That, yeah. yeah so yeah so and then the other thing too is that if you're being raised in an environment where you see people who are getting kicked out who messed up one it it tells you to cower in fear of whatever is going on in your own life but two you think that this is a legitimate way to deal with people who are who have hangups, who have issues, who might be struggling with same-sex attraction or alcoholism or depression or whatever, whatever it might be, you know. So I think I think seeing the administration deal with people like that, you'll understand why Christians become so judgmental, why like why they do so much hypocrisy, because you're hiding and you're cowering in fear that people are gonna find out about you, you know. Whereas, exactly. whereas opposed, if you just bring it out to the open and deal with it, it's a lot, um, it's a lot more of a healthy way to deal with things, you know? And um, we say it all the time. The truth will set you free, right? I mean, yeah. that's one of the mantras that we put in to uh, believing uh, in God. But the thing is, practicing it, and that's one of, the, one, of the, one of the things that we do within the faith is to confess to one another. That is not done very often. But there's a reason that it should be right is right. because things that are done in secret have more power against you. You know, if you're doing something in a secret, if you're having an affair in secret, it's going to continue to have power over you. Mm -hmm. do you do, do, just as a side question to that, and I, want, and I don't want to put you guys on the spot, but do you think that's one advantage that maybe Catholicism has over other denominations is the fact that they do have a confession? I would say no. <laughs> no. I'm going to say no, because the way that, like, if your solution is to go say a bunch of prayers to undo your sins and, like, just cross your feet, like, that's... But do you think, do you think that's what, because I, I was thinking it would be more the catharsis of, of telling, like, uh, Justin was just saying, like you're telling somebody something that's not no longer a secret. It's not something you're keeping inside. It's not so much. It's not so much the the just passing it off with a couple prayers and you're all a okay. I was just thinking on a on a psychological level, just the catharsis of of just putting that every week you can go in and talk to the one person anyway, and say to him, you know, geez, I, I've been having an affair, and I finally got that off my hmm. chest, and that that okay. feels better. I'm, that's the I, kind of the angle I'm asking that question in. Okay, that's a good yeah. one. I'm not talking about the Hail Marys and everything's fine. I'm, I'm yeah, talking yeah, about yeah, like yeah. the actual just just getting that out there to someone. What now, do you think, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, you got you got you got two different levels of this. You've got the cathartic part, which is actually very, very healthy. 
you know, which that is actually, we're taught to confess even in Protestantism, yeah. just not necessarily to a priest. priest we don't right. have priests. Right. Okay. But then there's a, there's a theological level to it too. And that's where, that's where the division happens is that that is actually a part of a sacrament. Okay. And the whole idea of the sacraments is it's what you do in order to be good with God. And where the Protestants differ from the Catholics in that manner is that it's, you can't do enough to be good with God. It's what mm -hmm. Jesus did right. for you. So mm -hmm. that's in, in, in what you're describing said, yes, I believe that the whole mandated uh, confessions is, could have a good, could have a very good uh, way about it. Do all Catholics confess everything? Absolutely. No, absolutely not. No. Yeah. <laughs> but in in the in in your your cathartic uh, idea for that, I believe that it would actually it could actually be very beneficial yeah. for a person. And yeah. so, you know, and I teach behind the pole, but please confess your confess your sins to another person that you feel is safe within the church. Uh -huh. And uh -huh. do, I hate that I have to actually make that distinction that you find somebody you believe is safe in the church. Right. Because yeah. there are people who are not. They'll and, want to use it against you. They'll um... well either that or they'll want to they'll want to use it as some sort of boon to how much they know you know yeah, it's, yeah. it's gossip there's the a lot of gossip that happens in churches um sid oh, like a sure. lot thank god you do not you do not go to church um well it, it, hey ironic. trust me you 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 get a good you get three people together somebody's gonna be gossiping about somebody <laughs> yeah. Yeah. church or not church or anything yeah yeah uh, jason uh, real quick we gotta rush on time so um I want to ask you a quick question. Uh, what, what, what was your best and worst experience? I think you've already covered your worst experience. So, what, what was your best experience um, in Bible college? Oh, my best, my 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 by far my best experiences that I had in Bible college was some of the retreats that we went on because we went on these certain little retreats where we got away from the college, and we went to like say a, a convention or anything like that where we were away from the college it was just a group of us that oh. wanted to go okay wow. we wanted to go we signed up for it we wanted to go we wanted to learn we wanted to do that it was interesting that those were really high points for me because a lot of the people that went that that went they'd signed up because they were genuinely interested in what they were going to learn mm -hmm. and as well as me i was genuinely interested one of the things, and I remember this very, very well, where there was a where there was a guy in that we went to school with, and he's still a minister to this day. And uh, and what he did was he gathered everybody around, and he just he he had us all kind of individually um, go in the middle of a circle, and they just he just prayed for us. He just prayed. You know, no matter what we were going through, no matter what our problems were, and we all knew what our problems were. Everybody knew that we were, that people were struggling with certain things and all that. He was just, we would just pray. Wow, that's great. And it was, there was something wholesome about that. There was something beautiful about that to where we weren't being tied down by denomination. We weren't even really being tied down by religion. It was just us getting together and saying we care about each other and we want 
to lift each other up to a God yeah. that we all believe in. Okay. And that's all it was. There was mm. nothing supernatural about it. There was nothing like over the top about it. It wasn't speaking in tongues or anything like that or going off the rails. It was just prayer. Mm. And, and that, it, that simplicity was so nice. Yeah. To, to have that. And I think that's something that a lot of churches are missing yeah. is that communion, that prayer, because that's what communion is. It is, it is getting together under one accord, under hmm. one mind. And, you know, I think, Sid, I, I, you would, you would, you had mentioned that, you know, the, the God of booze, um, I would imagine you, you go to a pub or a bar or anything like that. Right. Not, dur not during COVID. No, no well, not during COVID, yeah. but, but you have, and I, plan, and I plan to go back. Yes. Yeah. So let me ask you a question about, about bars. Why do you like going to bars? I mean, you could drink at home, right? You Why could. do you like going to, a um, bar? and I, and I have an occasion drink, drink, uh, drank by myself. Um, sure. a, a glass of wine, we'll read in a book or something. Um, I just, I, I imagine the same reason people like to go to church. If I go to a pub, I can meet some new people, but I do have some friends that, you know, I can go to a pub with generally, generally it's a social thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you go to a pub to socialize, you sit there, you have a beer. I don't go to bars where there's loud music. I like, I'm beyond that because of my age, but I like to sit and chat and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, either go with friends or, or meet some friends there or meet some new people. So basically it's, it's socializing. It is, it is. Yeah. And that's so important. And I think churches have also lost that in yeah. many ways. And, you know, crucify the pastor for saying this, but sometimes I think churches should be more like bars, maybe not in the drinking aspect, but sure. in the social aspect of, you know what, we're here, we're together, we're com yeah. camaraderie, yeah. you know, and a lot of times it, it's, it may be somebody sitting down in a pew and being like, I don't really you know, I don't like this person. I don't like that person. They, they have these, they, they just sit and don't talk, right. You know, and don't yeah. spend time with each other. And that's something we're working with in our own church right now is getting back from COVID and redoing yeah. things and, you know, yeah. meeting with one another again. Yeah. If you guys could go, go back again to, to like, and Isaiah mentioned something about, you know, maybe you wouldn't allow people under 20 to go, but if you guys were your age, and you had this calling, would mm -hmm. that be a good place to go? Or would you rather just, Hey, I can read the Bible. I can read, figure this all out and I'll go start a ministry somewhere. I would, I would take, I, I would take up on um, lay layperson ministry, which is a little bit different. Basically just to kind of explain what that is, is that is not an actual institution that right. is people who have been in the ministry or currently in the ministry mentoring you. And that's how I would do it because they're, they're active in the ministry. A lot of these professors hadn't been in the ministry for years. Right. I mean, at least pastoral ministry. And so that's, that's the way I would go about it. So I want to tell a quick story about one of the most amazing things uh, that happened to me. Jared Busby uh, actually is uh, my best friend. I actually paid for him to come here to South Korea to come visit me. But the first time, because I, I have some world religions tattooed on my body. So like the very first time we met, we're, we're naked in the shower and he walks up to me and he goes, yeah, I don't think you're, I don't think you're a Christian. And at the time I thought in my mind, maybe I was a Christian, but I definitely know now I wasn't a Christian, but 
his his honesty that he just came up to me and he saw it and uh, i think a, a lot of other students suspected that about me but I, I was making an attempt as much as i could at the time just with my own power apart from god right one of my roommates was picked on a lot by other people so i had like naturally became a very defensive about him and there was this situation when we're in someone's room and someone is picking on him and <sighs> He actually called him Tiny, and uh, this is a crazy story, but the guy actually had like a Prince, uh, a Prince Albert on him, and he would frequently show it to people, and so he went to, he went to like, uh, pull down his pants, and the other guy like grabbed him, and, and, and because I, he was being picked on, I was like gonna, gonna punch this guy because uh, the guy was obnoxious and the guy's, the guy's a minister now. He's a, he's a father. He's a totally different person. But, uh, Jared just stopped there when he's like, everyone, let's just get down on our knees right now. And everyone just fell to their knees and started praying over the situation. And I got convicted for what I, my, what I was going to do. But the guy was one of the air, most air, maybe the most arrogant guy on campus. He just stood there and he was the only person who wouldn't stand. And, uh, but it was a very powerful moment that really stuck out, stood out in my mind. And um, that guy and I, we used to go for drinks um, every Friday. If we would have got caught doing this, we would we would have gotten kicked out. But we would, you know, we would sit there and we'd talk philosophy. He had a, he had a pipe, and we talked politics and history. And you know, uh, actually, you know, one one amazing story when he came here to South Korea we went out again for coffee and, and I wasn't a believer at the time. And I started like, you know, I really started drilling him with the questions that I had for him and he responded and he answered. And what he said to me st stood with me till this day. And, and he answered those questions so sufficiently that as soon as that conversation ended, I said, you know what, if I'm not going to be a guy, if I'm not going to be a Christian, it is going to be because I just don't want to be a Christian. I cannot use, I cannot play the intellectual card anymore. I didn't become a Christian for many more years, but I, I, he had effectively cut off my resistance right at the knees. And so I was just kind of like in a rebellious stage. But do you think that Bible college is actually biblical? <laughs> That's actually a really good question. That's a really good question. And, and one that I have actually asked myself before. I believe that Bible. I believe that Bible college itself um, tries to fit itself into the biblical narrative. I think that it it it, it tries to justify it as being something that you know um, mm. started by the idea of Paul, who was himself a an educated individual. Um, of course, they had the old testament in the old testament the old covenant they had schools that would teach pharisees and the sadducees would teach all the religious leaders all of the torah in fact education was very important it was important to the jewish uh, people still very important to the jewish people that's one of the reasons why the jewish people are usually so good at business is mm -hmm. because education is very important and so i believe that as being stated within the scriptures? No, it is not actually something that is straight up stated within the scriptures that it is something that we need to be formally educated in order to be 
ministers. However, it does say that we need to be in the word and we need to be ready in season and out of season. You need to know what the word says. And so Bible colleges are a man-made construct to meet a biblical, a, a biblical mandate. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's basically what it is, is a man-made construct to meet a biblical mandate. What would your advice be to students at a Bible college? Knowing some students in in Bible college right now, um, my biggest advice for them would be to search the scriptures for yourself first. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Listen to your professors, put down the answers, everything like that. But search the scriptures for yourself. Another thing is, please do not be afraid to ask questions. I know that it may seem like those are a little daunting to ask professors, especially when it seems like their own theological values or their own theological understandings are what you know is, is the correct answer, but that may not necessarily be true. Okay, because they can be challenged by students as well. All right. This is there is a fluidity to interpretation, even though there is one interpretation. um, We are humans. And so we need to be able to. We need to be able to continue to search because that's Mm -hmm. what I mean. That's also mandated within within the scriptures is is to um, search your own hearts. And that would be another thing that I would say is search yourself. Mm-hmm. Do you really want to do this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you really want to spend your life in the ministry? If you do not want to, then it's probably good for you to go somewhere else because they will equip you better oh. to spend it somewhere else. Okay. Not everybody would agree with me on that. Everybody would like, well, you need to get your, your, your biblical foundation first. Okay. Well, yes. But... You would be piling on debt just to get a foundation when you could get a foundation within a church. You could. Right. So, so, th- so there'd be three things. One is I would say drop out. Two, <laughs> if you're under drop out, unless you're over like 20, preferably 25, maybe a little bit older and, and don't rely on it as your number one thing to go to. Um, so look into some other kind of trade that you might be want to do along the way, such as whether it's plumbing or maybe learning computer designers. And I have learned some, I have heard of some Bible college, colleges who actually do that so that they might have something to rely on. Let's see, three is really question uh, the scriptures uh, and your teachers uh, based on the scripture, not what just what the teachers are telling you. Um, three... I don't know if that was three, but you know, man. like ministry <laughs> is a lot harder than anything you can imagine. I swear doing it six months after doing it six months and actually dealing with people's garbage that they actually have, it made me never want to, to be involved in a church again. I mean, you could get really burned out very easily. Yeah. So it's very rewarding. I mean, I'm a ministry, I am a missionary now. But this is, I'm almost 40 years old. So my, my perspective is totally different from back then. And I don't do things just solely based off of, um, you know, my strength. It's, there's a reliance on God. So 
unless you have that foundation though, it doesn't really make sense in, in my my opinion. I'm I'm not saying I'm you know, my 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 opinion is divine or anything, but it doesn't really make sense to go to Bible college unless you already have that kind of foundation. One, and then if you have that foundation, it doesn't really I guess unless you're trying to do some kind of certain job, it doesn't really make sense in my view um, to do that. Like you can learn just as much about God by serving one, um, by praying, by fasting. I mean, I learned more about God in just those three things in the Bible by actually practically living it out rather than just theologically understanding things, you know, because I found the case, maybe this isn't the case with you, I have found the most theological people I know, the guys you could quote the Bible inside, outside, backwards and forwards, are the guys who apply the least amount of it. You know, it's head knowledge. And so I think when you're in Bible college, you don't understand the full extent of that, partially because you're living in like a closed echo chamber, living on campus, right? So in, mm-hmm. in a sense, it's very impractical. Like it's a, You're not going to be doing that the rest of your lives of, living on a dorm you know you're gonna have a family you have kids so you're learning these stuff you're learning these things in a time where you don't you don't have a proper there's not a a way to have a proper application of all of it so and that's not to say that's just the nature of the beast as it is but right so i would just say that this is you're going to learn more in your life you're going to have many different experiences they're going to change the way that you think about the bible about god and don't think that whatever you're learning now is totally set in stone. Um, those would be my advice. But yeah, okay. and 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 you're right on. I mean, I think that I think that what a lot of these a lot of these young these young kids do is when they go in, they have expectations. They have expectations about what this is going to be, what this ministry is going to look like. And the problem is, is that it rarely meets their expectations they're going to go in they're going to see kids just like they saw in high school it's not going to be this utopia that they thought it's going to be more of like an echo chamber or a bubble as we used to call it the bible college bubble and so they're going to see this and it's going to cause them to get jaded and i've known very 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 many people who who have been very jaded by the bible college experience but i've also known people who have gone beyond that and have grown as individuals and i know many people who are still in the ministry despite the experience that they had in bible college bible college may have equipped them intellectually but they had to learn it themselves and go through the crucible you could say of of the ministry and that's exactly what many of them have have done and i'm I'm still friends with a lot of those guys so so the last question I have, if you can make changes at a, a Bible college, um, what what would they be? Um, if I was to make changes at a Bible college, what would they be? Well, first off, <sighs> oh, see, that's that's actually a tough question because you know I, I talk about all these different things. I would have more. I would have more classes based around spiritual formation all right mm-hmm. and forming your faith okay because like you said there's a lot of people that are coming in they're not christians i would have more based around forming your faith i would also have 
more counseling services in, involved, okay? Um, for people who are removed, I would have counseling services available for them to work on restoration. This is something that churches don't do very often, and it's actually biblical, is to work to restore a brother or sister in Christ. And so I would have res a restorative ministry within these institutions. If you want us to live a certain way, help us to live a certain way. Okay, don't just set us down and say, you have to do these things. Or to a 19-year-old kid who's never been off on their own before. Right. I seriously, I knew people in Bible college. I kid you not. They had been homeschooled their whole life. They didn't know mm -hmm. what sex was. They had no idea what sex was. Are you serious? Serious. Dead serious. I know one me. girl, one girl who's married now and has multiple children, but she had no idea who sex was, what sex was at all, what the practice of it was. I kid you not that she she was she was homeschooled. I have a hard time to believe that, but okay. But it's true, and I and she learned about it in Bible college. Interesting. Hmm. From girls so, in the dorm. That is very interesting. Um, so, it, so, so the changes I would make one and and I and I hate to overly emphasize this, but I, but I I literally would not allow anyone to come in who was like under the age of um twenty because I think you just need out of high school, you need a couple of years of just some practical life experience before some of the stuff is even going to register. Like I, I can tell you, I don't think I learned a single thing my, my freshman year, like next to nothing. So I've seen that work as far as with South Korea, um, with the government, you know, mandating the kids go to, uh, you know, military service. And then with the Mormons who they turn 18, they go out and do these two years of missions. Mm -hmm. and, and the Mormons are some pretty well-rounded people, you know, you might have a little bit of whacked out beliefs, but if you, if you get to know them on a personal level, like, uh, you know, they're, they're pretty decent, they're pretty decent people. Not, of course, there's not acceptance everywhere, but so I, th I think that in combination with like counseling readily available to deal with the traumas that people have been dealing with that they swept under the rug and just chosen not to dress like that I did. And, you know, like, um, so that maybe even mandating it for the students there to get the counseling and um, just some smaller groups to where guys could be open about their what they were going through. Um, I know a lot of guys there were struggling with pornography addiction. Oh, yeah. um, my pornography addiction started whenever I was seven years old and went right mm. up to the age of 32 when I became a believer and the, and the Lord um, healed me from that. So. I would say, um, if you're taking the stigma off, and, and this is something I can tell you that I just know this, like if you deal with things, um, you know, and they tell you the counseling, when I got counseling, they told me, you're only as sick as your secrets, okay? So the more oh, you can wow. deal that's, with things. That's fantastic. Yeah, I, would, I, I certainly didn't make that up. So, um, but but you, you know what, with the confession thing that Sid was talking about, thank you for that, Sid. One of the things that they told us in the counseling is that we have a natural reluctance to talk about the things that we've done. So if you were told, like, you have to cut off your finger, 
you might be able to do it, but there is like a natural resistance you're going to have to harm yourself like that. So when you take down the erected version of you of, that you have of yourself that's not accurate, that's like a holographic version of yourself, that requires like a form of suicide, okay? You have to destroy this other fleshly person um, of yourself and to become a new person because you can't just become a new person without getting rid of that old person. So there is a natural reluctance we have to talk about things that we've done. I remember when I got counseling and they did a triage about me and they tell, they asked me about my behavior, I could not believe how horrible the thing sound, sounded that I did when I was verbalizing it, you know? So one of the things that the counselors did was they would have us do art therapy to just to draw whatever was holding us back. And I didn't want to do it because I thought it felt very childish. Like mm. I kind of felt patronized, but, but after doing it, I found it was totally helpful to us, to me, us. It was totally helpful to me to take off that reluctancy and just because she said how to do with words like there can be a reluctancy with words but whenever you take that out you can have a more natural flowing you know thought so but i i do think that ha having being able to freely discuss things or faults or flaws inside of there like we need to have that skill to take out to the real world so if you knew the kind of stuff that most people were doing on and closed doors you know, it's pretty disturbing or what's mm. going on in people's minds. You know, what goes on mm. in my mind on a daily basis is, is absolutely horrible. And, um, but it's gotten a lot better and, and being able to confess stuff to things to people has really helped me in that. If you're in a Bible college and you got to go through it, seek God, you know, like don't seek, seek God over grades. Um, there was this kind of like running joke. Sometimes you would see someone with a Bible open and you'd be like, well, what, what, um, what book are you, what, what class are you studying for? And sometimes you just hear guys saying, I'm just trying to learn about God. Hello, everybody. This is Christopher Walken. And we want to thank you for being a part of this podcast today. Please hit that subscribe button so that you can see more of our material later on. So thank you very much. And for Isaiah and Sid, you know, you guys are great. I really appreciate everything that you're doing. And have a fantastic day, everybody. And this is Kermit just reminding you that you do need to subscribe because if you don't, then you're probably going to miss a lot of really good information for you to use in your life. So have a fantastic day, everybody. Hi-de-ho.